everyone, welcome to Dance Matters Podcast, the place where we celebrate all things dance and the performing arts industry. Today, we have a slightly different episode for you. Today, the tables are turned. That's right. Recently, we were invited by Millie to be a guest on her podcast, The Dance Pod. We had a great chat about all things dance, podcasting, and about the creation of Dance Matters Podcast. Thanks for having us on, Millie. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dance Matters Podcast meets The Dance Pod. Welcome to The Dance Pod. Your weekly episodes covering all things dance industry. Hello, dance potters. Welcome to episode 18. This week, I've got mother and daughter duo Kaylee and Charlie from Dance Matters Podcast. These guys started in January of this year and have almost clocked over the 60 episode mark. They have interviewed some incredible people from both the Australian dance industry and overseas as well. So naturally, I thought it would be a fun time to invite them on today to have a bit of a chat, learn more about them and their podcast, their journey so far with it all. Kaylee has some incredible tips and tricks for new parents entering the dance scene. Charlie shares some of her favorite genres, who she's loved interviewing so far. Uh, We talk about their YouTube channel. Um, Oh my goodness. We we covered a lot and it was just a really fun time to bond over both having podcasts that revolve around our dance industry and how using these platforms to help inspire, educate and lift everyone up is the goal across the board. So yeah, sit back and enjoy guys. All right. How are you both? Good. How are you? Good. All right. Let's do a quick fire round of fun facts about you both. Let's go. Go for it. You want quick facts? Okay. Charlie, do you want to go first? Okay. So first quick fact, I really like school and I'm pretty good at it. And my second one is when I was little, I wanted to be a doctor because I thought they only had to give needles and they didn't have to get any. (laughs) I love that. Then she worked out that they actually get them as well and that quickly went out the window. Oh, how funny. All right, Kaylee, what about you? Okay, so my quick facts. Well, the first one is one that I'm proud of because I worked really hard for and at the time it seemed like a massive thing but these days not many people know about me because as big as it seems at the time, it kind of diminishes over time when you get older. So I got a 99.25 UAI in my HSC and a uh, New, oh my gosh. Yeah, a New South Wales Premier's Award for my HSC results. So I'm proud of it, but it's amazing how over time people don't even think to ask or realise that. So those people who are doing their HSC don't stress too much. Oh my gosh, that's impressive. Far out. And another quick fact, my other quick fact is <laughs> that I used to be a strength and conditioning coach and I worked at the New South Wales Institute of Sport, the South Australian Institute of Sport and for a couple of NRL teams for a short time. Oh, that's awesome. So obviously you guys have the Dance Matters podcast, which I think is super cool that you are both co-hosting. Tell me a little bit what it's like working with each other on that. Charlie will say I'm the bossy one. I'm the one that takes the reins here, but I think that's justified seeing as I do the hours of editing and the hours of question writing. So she's usually the one who dreams up the ideas, aren't you? Yeah. She's the one who brings me the impossible guests to get and I'm the one stuck trying to get them. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Charlie, how is it working with your mum? It's pretty good. Most of the time she's okay. Sometimes she can get a little freaked out. (laughs) She really helps me with some questions because sometimes I get stuck on what I want to say and she's always there 
telling me what I should say and it's always exactly what I want to say. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. So, Charlie, how did you first get into dance? I started dancing at the age of two and a half. Mum first put me into gymnastics and I just really wanted to do dance. So then after a while, Mum put me into a mini wiggle and giggle class and then at the age of three I started doing tap and ballet as well. Four I started a preschool troop class and then at five I was doing actual troop dances and six I started solos. Oh my goodness. Snowballed since then and gotten bigger and bigger and out of hand. (laughs) Kaylee, had you had any experience with dance prior to this? No look to be honest and I preface this by saying that I had no idea about how hard dancers work or how skilled they were. But to be honest, when we had a baby girl, our biggest thing was she can do anything but dance. I didn't want to be caught up in the dance world. I didn't want to be a crazy dance mum as I kind of perceived them back then. My husband and I are quite sporty and we were into like, oh, what what can we get her into the Olympics for? So I knew that gymnasts had to start really early and we're like, yep, right, two years old, let's get her into gymnastics. And it was pretty obvious after two lessons she wasn't going to be an Olympic gymnast, but (laughs) she enjoyed it and had fun, so we persevered. She also did soccer and swimming, but from the time she could walk, she was dancing around the house and we had a Wiggles reenactment concert every single night and I eventually just had to give up to the inevitable and put her into a dance class. So, no, I had had very little experience prior to that. Oh, my goodness. Wiggle concerts. How good. And now look at you, full-blown in the dance world. (laughs) Charlie, what is your favourite genre of dance and why? My favourite genre of dance is lyrical and contemporary because in lyrical you can really express yourself and use the lyrics to dance. And in contemporary, I love it because you can make so many different and unique shapes And I've just started learning from Paris Cap and she's shown me a way to listen to all the beats and it's really fun. That's super exciting. They're my favourite genres as well. They are definitely my faves. Kaylee, have you ever really done much dancing? So I grew up doing physical culture and I grew up as one of those kids Mm -hmm. who went to my friend's house who did dancing and I always wanted to wear their jazz shoes and tap shoes and I didn't get to go to dance class. I had to do physical culture because that's what my family did and we did netball and tennis and horse riding and all those things. I always thought I was pretty good at dancing. Like I was in the school dance groups and I was doing my physical culture dance and I thought I was pretty good at it, but I've come to realise that I'm I'm not so up on all the terminology. Um, Charlie, what did I do <laughs> with your first ballet report? Oh, yeah, I got a ballet report and it said part of sharp, but mum read it as pasty chat and she's like, what's this pasty chat? I'm like, mum, it's a part of sharp. You need a ballet. Jeez, mum, get it right. <laughs> Uh, Kaylee, what's your favourite genre to watch? Well, I have to be honest and say that when we are at a Steadfords, it's always the lyrical or contemporary that I prefer to watch and particularly when the senior kids are on because they're pretty amazing. And I must say that even though I can appreciate how much hard work goes into it, whenever the ballet or the tap comes on, I'm like, Charlie, let's go warm up. I'm sure you've got to go run your routines now. <laughs> oh, I love the honesty though. <laughs> Do you have any advice for future dance parents that like yourself kind of had no experience coming into it? I've got a lot here but I'm going to try and 
condense it into a smaller one for you. Uh, there's one thing that I really want to talk about in this situation, and I think I'm going to preface it by saying that I've made mistakes over my time and I will continue to make mistakes, but I think it's acknowledging that, you know, we stuff up at times and we want to be better in our response that I think is a good thing. So I've learned so much from doing this podcast. And every time I have an interview with someone, I walk away with some knowledge of a better way to behave in myself or a better way to approach the dance world. And two of the real interviews that have really stuck with me and given me some real advice to use when I turn up to a Stedfords were our interviews with the beautiful Beck Ansell and Rory Darkins, who's a mental skills coach. And both of those came on as a guest for us and had just some really incredible advice that I'd really encourage dance parents to go and listen to. I think the most important thing is to remember that we are role models for our kids and the way that they see us behave and speak is exactly what they're going to mirror. So if we want to create kids who are good sports people and who approach the competition in a healthy, positive way, then we need to model that for ourselves. So, I mean, honestly, we turn up to a dance at Stedford and I'm going to tell you that I think the dance at Stedford world is crazy. I mean, I come from a sporting background, so I'm of the thought that, you know, the person who wins should be the person who scores the most goal or the person who crosses the finish line first. And dancing is something that is totally one person's opinion and it's totally subjective and how a person sees it on that day. So you can have 10 kids line up, do exactly the same performance, have two different people watch it and they're going to place them totally differently. And I think most parents approach it from they just love their kids and they want their kids to be happy and to do well and it's so easy to fall into that trap of when they come off and they've given their best and you just want to make them feel better if they haven't placed and you want to say to them oh you were so good you know you should have won you should have won you were the best you were better than those kids but really to do that is to put a too big a position of power on the placing and the getting an award and taking it away from their actual performance And it's also not creating a good sportsmanship environment for the kids. And they're going to mirror those sort of things that you say. So instead of saying you should have won that, focus on the positives from their performance. Take away the power of the trophy. And that's not the important part. The important part is that they did something that they're proud of or that they improved something. So instead of, oh, yeah, you won today, look at it as did you nail that turn that you wanted to do? Did you do the jeté to the height that you wanted to do? Really try and focus on their performance and that is something that they can control. They can't control if the judge likes them or not. So putting that as the most important thing as a parent, that you win or you get second or you place, then that's something that's out of their control. So I think as a parent we really need to focus on their individual performance, the things they can control, and giving them positive feedback around that, not around the placing. Yeah, no, that's very true. I really resonate with that. Well, I mean, there's so much around approaching dance in a positive way and trying to take away that competition type situation. When you're looking for a dance studio and you're starting out, you need to find one that is going to suit your child and that is going to nurture them and be good for their growth and development. Also look that they're choosing appropriate costumes and appropriate music and things like that. I think it's important too as parents that we speak up if we're not comfortable with something. Sometimes it's really easy to just go with the flow and to think, oh, well, 
we've been told that this is what they're wearing, so this is what they'll wear. But we need to remember that we are our kids' voice and if we aren't comfortable with something, we need to stand up for that as well. Even as an adjudicator, there'll be kids that come on stage and you're like, how? How did this end up on stage with that kind of song choice and that costume? Like it is really interesting. And even the choreography as well, sometimes it's a bit like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, and I think sometimes adjudicators are a bit scared to, or not scared, but a bit worried about saying something. But if it's not said, then it's just going to keep going on. I've been really glad that some adjudicators have stood up and said, look, you know, there was some inappropriate moves that we don't need to have and there are better ways to stage it and I may be making a comment that's not going to be popular but I'm going to place it for these reasons. So I think it's important that everyone sort of stands up for the kids, right, because a lot of the time the kids have no idea what they're doing. They're just doing what they're told in the dance class. Let's move on to talking about Dance Matters podcast. Initially, how did the whole concept come up? So this was the brainchild of my husband really because he listens to a lot of podcasts and he listens to sport podcasts and NRL and all of that and he always listens on the way on the train and at the gym and he came home one day and to be honest I had never listened to a podcast in my life and he comes home and he says look is there a dance podcast because I think it would be really interesting and good for Charlie to listen to and we went and we did a bit of a google and we couldn't actually find any real dance podcasts that were running in Australia let alone any that were sort of geared more towards children and young adults that would be accessible to them and have information that was relevant and interesting to them. So I'm one of those people who, if I say I'm going to cut my hair off, I need to do it now. If I say I'm going to make some drastic change, it has to happen now. I can't have it in a week's time or two weeks' time. So pretty much he came home with that and within two days we had come up with our name, our logo, and released our first episode of Dance Matters Podcast. Oh, my gosh. It really came about as a result of me wanting to learn more because, as I said, I didn't grow up dancing. I don't come from a dance background. I don't know my ballet terms at all. I realised that this was something that's really important to Charlie and even if I didn't want to encourage it as a career early on, I realised that that's the way she's sort of tending and I'd like to do the best that I can to learn as much as I can to support her in that journey and also as a way for us to connect and do something together. Yeah. That's so exciting. Charlie, I think this is awesome for you too because you're getting to talk to some incredible people in the industry. Yeah, it's really awesome that I get to talk to these people. I mean, I was the one who suggested them. Mum just messaged them on Instagram and asked them. But somehow she got them, so it's so amazing to talk to these people. Yeah, that's so exciting. Do you guys have any funny stories or experiences that you've had since starting this? There's a couple of funny ones. I'm going to tell you one. I think I'm a bit of a dancer. I haven't really had proper dance training, but... I do think I'm a bit of a good dancer. So I, after having kids, was thinking about doing some more fitness and getting into fitness things. And and I thought, I'm going to turn up to a dance class because, you know, there's these adult dance classes on. And it was actually run by one of the guests that we've had on, but I couldn't face him and couldn't tell him that I had been in his dance class. I'm going to tell him now, Mr. Brad Green, I once came to one of your adult dance classes thinking I was 
awesome. I was killing the warm up. I was all in there. And then you started doing combinations. And my brain after having three children is so scrambled that I could not connect what was going on with what step. And I got so lost and so embarrassed that I never came back again. Oh my gosh. And you didn't tell him that when you um, spoke with him? I couldn't say it to him. I I looked at him throughout the whole interview and I kept thinking about that night I had been to that dance class and I could just, I couldn't get it out. So I'm fessing up to it now, Brad, if you ever listen. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Charlie, any other funny stories about running the dance podcast? Yeah, when we had Bonnie Luth go on, she was talking and I just sat up a bit and because she has her English accent, I'm not going to try in my English accent, but she said, sit down, Charlie. Mum, you've got a good accent. (laughs) So Bonnie was one of the people who had some amazing stories, but she was very into talking to Charlie. So she'd address Charlie a lot. And Charlie sat up at one point and Bonnie couldn't see her on the screen. She's like, sit down, Charlie. And so (laughs) anytime we're having a joke about Bonnie, it's always, sit down, Charlie. That's how you say it. Oh, how funny. What else? We've got the dog always likes to interrupt in the the most important question. Whenever I'm asking an important question, I will always get the dog barking during the answer. Yeah, we always find the dog in the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, that happens here. I've got two of them. And for whatever reason, they decide that it's Zoomy time the second that I sit down and start talking to someone. Charlie, who's been your favourite guest so far? Oh, there's so many. Well, you can you can name a couple. I really liked all the um, Next Step characters. They were really interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bonnie Lithgow, she was funny. Because she told you to sit down. <laughs> no, she said so many other jokes as well, though. I think the people you really wanted on were the Next Step people, yeah. and, and we've managed to talk to quite a lot of those, so that's yeah. probably... They're the ones she's most starstruck over. So they'll, at the end, they'll usually go, oh, Charlie, is there anything else you want to ask? And she just sits there going, no, I'm okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> you covered all the questions for me. Uh, Charlie's just the face. She doesn't need to do the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Sometimes we find that people tend to not answer as full of questions when she asks them. I don't know if it's because they think they're talking to a younger person. So she usually asks the shorter questions because they tend to shorten up their answers when they're talking to her. Yeah. That's really interesting. So you guys have since uh, just recently actually started on YouTube with your Dana Life videos and I watched <laughs> the one about you guys and I was exhausted by the end of it watching it and I hadn't even done anything. I sat in my chair watching it. How did you decide to kind of go into the YouTube scene with that and also how do you manage a podcast and everyday life? Yeah, so we just were looking at different things to add to the podcast and little side benches and I thought that it would be interesting to do a few days in the life of and there's a few guests who are getting their days in the life ready to go up on our YouTube channel. We thought it'd just be interesting to have some video content to go along with the stories that we tell on our podcast and the guests we have on. Yeah, my my life is a little bit crazy as a full-time teacher and also Having the three kids who all have a lot of activities that they do, you feel like an Uber driver half of the time. My husband was in the Navy in a previous his previous job and I, being a school teacher, we are both very organised people, but we find if we're not organised, things get a little bit chaotic. So we do kind of have a system of 
four calendars operating at once. We have our yearly calendar that goes up on the fridge that has all of the details that come in advance. So when you get the dance concert date, that goes on. When you get the troupe performances, those go on. And all of those big things so that we can see that we don't double book anything. We then have our little monthly calendar, which is telling us where we need to be each day of the week. So Charlie dancing 4.15 till 7.15, Billy sprint training 5.15 to whatever it is. And all of those details on it. Uh, We then have our little weekly calendar because I have been that parent who has sent my kid to school in the wrong uniform or who hasn't brought the library bag on the right day. And look, my kids are pretty resilient and I think it's important to teach them resilience, but you still don't feel great and you feel still get that mum guilt. So we have a little weekly calendar that has Monday is Charlie's homework, Tuesday is sports uniform, Wednesday is whatever it is, and that stays on there. And then we have a little uh, weekly menu plan where usually my husband's into this one, but he plans what, who's having what for dinner on what days. And then usually our running schedule is on there too because the kids like to do their two runs a week and we have to work out which days they can do that and get those in in the morning before work time. So we have all of that operating. And then usually we're really organised with getting stuff out the night before. So We find it's really important to have the uniforms laid out, ready to go. The bags are all pretty much ready to go. The lunch boxes are packed except for the sandwiches. The running clothes are out. It's all laid out, ready to go. So we're all good to go. But essentially it comes down to being a really good team. And I must say that my husband does so much to be able to support me doing the podcast as well as all the schoolwork that I've got to do. And if there weren't two of us, we would not be able to get the kids to their different activities all the time because it's always one person's in one place and one's in another. It's a bit of tag team. Oh my goodness. You don't realize until you start how long editing can take. So I saw you were up at all hours of the early morning and stuff to get it done. And I'm very much the same, but obviously my schedule doesn't include four other people. Yeah, for sure. I I don't think people realise, like I still get people asking, how much money are you making from the podcast? And I don't think they realise you don't make any money from the podcast. You know, it's something you do for the love of it and for the enjoyment and getting to talk to so many different people and to listen to their stories. Uh, And the editing does take, it can take six, seven hours to get one episode out, just depending on how it went when you recorded it. So I don't think people realise that. And I have gotten better at editing, which I say is a very lucky thing for those more recent guests. Unfortunate for the early ones, I do (laughs) apologise. But I'm making you sound better these days. I remember when I first started listening to podcasts, I was like, wow, everyone's so well-spoken and it's really fluid and no one gets, you know, stumbled on their words. And then you realise the majority of it is editing. (laughs) So... Dance Matters podcast. We obviously have your Instagram account. Um, where else can everyone find you if they want to listen to your podcast, etc.? Yeah, so our podcast can be found anywhere you find your good podcasts. It's on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all of those places. We also, you can find us on Instagram and DM us and chat to us and send us any messages about guests you want to hear on there. It's uh, at Dance Matters podcast and we're on Facebook and all of those places you can find us. Fabulous. I'd like to add that I think it's really exciting that there are now, as you said, when you first started doing your research into uh, dance podcasts in Australia, that there wasn't really a lot that catered to it, if any. And now there's actually a handful of us, which is super exciting. And I feel like everyone has a slightly different approach. So I think as long as yeah, everyone can understand that it's a real like community thing and all we're trying to do is build it up and keep everyone connected. I think that's the main 
thing. Yeah, I think it's important to try and build each other up and not to try and pull anyone down. I think there's enough of that in the world. So we need to try and connect with each other and to lift everyone up wherever we can. And I think it's great that getting kids into listening to podcasts too, because I found to start off with a lot of them didn't know what one was and to have to listen to something without the visual took a little bit of getting used to, but I'm finding that lots of kids are telling me that they're listening to it in the car, on the way to dance practice, on the way to a Stedford's or at night when they're heading to bed. So it's been really good, I think, to introduce younger kids to podcasts as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned before with Charlie, like I wish I had something like this when I was your age to be able to have that exposure to so many incredible people in our industry. And you guys are obviously, you know, doing that for a lot of other kids as well. I'm sure they probably, there's a lot of people they might not have ever heard of before and they're listening to and people that they really look up to and they're getting to hear really fabulous interviews from you guys. So I think that's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've tried because There are people that I thought of to get on that she had never heard of, for example, Kelly Abbey and Bonnie Lithgow. You know, she didn't know who they were at the time, but now has learned so much from listening to them. And then at the same time, she'll come and tell me that, oh, we had this choreographer at dancing. Can we get them on? So it's really good to be able to have a mixture of young people, young choreographers, and then more experienced people in the industry and just letting everyone listen to all the different advice. And the great thing I think about listening to these is that kids just see the person and don't know the whole story behind them and a lot of the time they see this famous dancer or they see someone on the next step and they don't know the deeper story or any problems that they might be going through or any hardships that they might be going through and being able to bring that to them and bring the whole person's story enables them to sort of connect with them a little bit more and realize that hey they're normal as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kaylee and Charlie. This has been awesome. I've loved getting to know you both a little bit better and more about Dance Matters as well and kind of how it all evolved. So thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. And thanks, Millie, for having us on for a chat. You can check out The Dance Pod on Instagram at The Dance Pod and find all of the episodes that Millie has done. Remember that you can find all our previous episodes over on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We would love if you could leave us a review or a rating. We also have some extra videos over on our YouTube channel, so head over there and check that out. And make sure you head over to Diva Dolly Australia to check out their amazing bags and accessories, particularly in the lead up to Christmas. Get those orders in so your dancer can have something special waiting under the tree. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.